Well, good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. I hope you're doing well and hope you're enjoying Christmas. Isn't it nice to have all this snow? Uh, no? Come on, we live in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Come on, we, we love the snow here. Last week I was in, in uh, Calcutta, India. It was 85 and I was wearing shorts. And that's no kind of life to have when it's in the wintertime. Oh, here we go. It's going to be a long service, isn't it? Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, even if you're not glad, I'm here. So I'm glad that you're here, and good to see you today. And uh, it is great to see you. Uh, last weekend, I was, uh, got the opportunity to be able to preach at the great uh, church there in Calcutta. Uh, those of you that were with us for Mother's Day when we opened up the Germantown facility uh, here, um, you, were, you got to meet Hulda Buntain. Uh, and her and her husband, late husband, Dr. Mark Buntain, uh, started the church there and uh, have, did the missionary work there, began over 50 years ago. And so it was my privilege to be able to kind of go on your behalf and, and represent you. And uh, amazing, just simply amazing. Um, I am wanting to go back and uh, take, if I could just get a whole 747 full of Life Church people, would that not be a trip? But anyhow, but to go back and to do that, uh, because what's amazing to me is, is that you see... Um, the great church that was built uh, and, uh, and all of that. But then uh, there is a, a theological seminary, Bible college, to train pastors and uh, that uh, has been housed in the basement of the, of the church. And it's being moved off-site because a building's been purchased. And uh, you'll be hearing more about that because we're going to, Life Church, we're going to furnish the theological library, the shelves, the tables, the, all the, the periodicals, and everything that goes along with a, with a, with a college library, university library, we're going to be doing that and, uh, in the, over the course of the next year. And so that's happening, and that's very exciting to see what God's doing there uh, as they are on a uh, record pace to plant churches. And uh, then to, uh, to see the hospital, uh, eight stories tall, uh, going in when there were surgeons coming out of, of, uh, of, uh, after the surgery post-op, and they were coming out and got to, to meet some of the, the surgeons there, went to the, uh, to, the, to the wing where all the babies were being born, and, and there were newborns right there, and all of that, just this, and it's all happened, if you can imagine, a local church in the middle of this city of 8 million people of just abject poverty, and uh, there is uh, uh, just these multi-mid-rise buildings that are there, and they're feeding 25,000 people a day because of people like you who gave so generously one day to feed the world and also what you gave that day to, to Hulda back in Mother's Day. Uh, they, they have these vats that they make rice in that are so large that when they cook them, we got to go in the area, and you'll be seeing some of this on video here, in the, here uh, next, next month or so, but uh, that it takes eight grown men to pick them up and to put them on the back of a truck, and they take them, there's eight different trucks, and they take them to the areas of the city, and they feed the poor. Uh, and, uh, and so just, just amazing. Water filtration systems, they're using that really to missionally spread the gospel uh, because uh, uh, water and sanitation is such a huge, huge, huge issue. And so for $80, they uh, can put together a natural water filtration system where they're actually going and uh, they're uh, basically, you know, in the areas and it'll take care of a family of six to eight people for 25 years. It's just, just sharing the love of Jesus Christ and God's opening up the doors to, to uh, see major, major, major things happening. And uh, as is on every trip, I, I love it. When the infinite God flows to a finite creature to touch another finite creature, purpose is always created. 
And even when you know what your purpose in life is, it resonates with you. And for me, on this trip, it was going to, uh, to a slum area of the city where there had been a, a tannery. Did your dad ever used to say to you, I'm going to tan your hide? Anybody? Maybe you say that to your kids. It's okay. Uh, and so, <laughs> have you seen those hands? So anyhow, so, so this is literally where they would tan hides. And so the smells, and again, Calcutta is not the most fragrant place in the world as far as good smells. And... Um, it's just uh, not, and, and so we went there. They purchased an old tannery, and they had converted it into a school. And so we walked in, and there were 400 children on this. You can just imagine if, just if, if you've ever been to a factory or production facility, they just cleared the floor, and they, and they had a program. And when we walked in, they just stood to attention. And every time we walked into a room, they stood to attention. And I asked, I said, is this customary, or is this just something they're doing for us? I said, no, this is what they do. And then I said, I'm going to be sending my daughters here uh, to stand to attention. Yes. And so if your kids want to go to you, I'm going to send a jet with kids. Just, just drop them off for a note. I promise you they'll come back thankful and grateful. And so I uh, went there and did that. And, and it was in, in this little bitty guys and gals all the way through about 6th, 7th, 8th grade. And uh, uniforms and uh, education, sharing the love of Jesus. And uh, it just was like, that's why I'm here, man. That's why I'm on this planet is to, in his name, just be his hands extended. And it made me so grateful to be a part of a church like this uh, because of your generosity. Never forget this. What makes Life Church a great church is not me and it's not you, but it's your generosity. God loved the world so much that he gave. And when we operate with extreme generosity, then we become more and more and more like the Father. And in that moment, going, getting after they had done their production, uh, their little presentation for us, uh, they asked, does anybody want to serve in the food line? Well, you know, food is my spiritual gift. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. You know, great. And those first couple of kids, I'm just going to tell you, they got like huge portions. They had to come to me and say, no, sir, you can't give this much. No wonder those kids love me so much because, I mean, it, it had to be apportioned out. And, and so they got their rice. If you remember a few weeks ago, we did this when we talked about this. They got their rice. They got protein uh, like a broth. And that day they had some chicken. And it would be like a buffalo wild wing, like hot wing, chicken wing type of a deal in a broth. And uh, just one by one, just boom. And again, just saying thank you. And I just want to say that to you. Thank you. Um, I could end my message there, but I won't because my timer says I've got 23 more minutes to talk. So, but thank you. Seriously, thank you for your generosity one day to feed the world. Thank you for your generosity, Mother's Day. Thank you for being that type of church that says we will take care of God's world because we know he'll take care of our world. Do you realize that if you make $30,000 a year in gross annual income, you live in the top 10% of wage earners in the world? That brings perspective. And I just want to say thank you. You're blessed to be a blessing, and what a blessing you are. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. You know, we began this series on light, and, and Noelle talked about that the, there is hope in light, and she did a great job talking about the hope that we have and, and the light. And Ryan talked about last weekend that Jesus says that he is the light. And so we know that through Jesus is hope. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that you are the light of the world, that you and I have been called to be the light of the world. 
And, and what a marvelous opportunity that is. Because Jesus comments on light, and he talks about the power of light, and, and, and he compares himself to light in Scripture. And, and like Ryan said last weekend, he says in one breath, I'm the light of the world. And in another breath, he turns around and says, you are the light of the world. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus turns this truth of light on us and tells us that because we now have him in us, we now have his light in us. And because the light of Christ is in us, we are the light of the world. Now, this is a theological concept called incarnational presence. Incarnational means incarnate. In, it's speaking about deity being housed in mankind. Deity being housed, carnate means flesh, being housed in flesh. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ comes into our heart and in our life to do. We ask God to come into our heart and into our life through, through accepting his son, Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3 tells us that, 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 that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And if any of us will hear his voice and open the door and invite him to come in, he will come into our hearts and lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says that the power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells. It lives in, incarnational. It dwells in you and in me. It's not about us. We're just a vessel. Don't ever get affixated on the vessel. You know, in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to talk. So if God can use a donkey, you can take that any way you want to, he can use anybody, okay? Including yours truly. It's never about the vessel. It's always about what's filling the vessel. And the Bible says that we are but jars of, 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 of earth and clay. We're but jars of clay, but we've been filled with this marvelous light of Jesus. We've been filled with this hope of the world. We've been filled with this transcendent power of God, and it becomes incarnational. Jesus is incarnate. He is in flesh in you and I. And you may be the only Bible that some people read. You may be the only sermon that some people hear. But I'm telling you, a life lived unto God is greater than any message that's ever preached, any song that's ever sung, or any church service that you can ever attend. Because it's the power. That's where the power is. And Jesus tells it here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Not the pastor, not good people, but you, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the light of the world. Like a city set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. For no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, notice that there's no false humility there, let your good deeds shine out for everybody to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So you're the light of the world. We live in a very dark world, and I don't think anybody would argue with that. And many of you, you travel the world, and, and, and you see depravity, and you see the darkness in the world in which we live. But it doesn't take very, you don't have to go very far to figure out that, that there, there, there's a lot of darkness in our world. And when you encounter darkness, you have a choice. You can either curse the darkness and talk about how horrible it is, or you can light a candle. You can light a light. Jesus doesn't instruct us to curse the darkness. Why? Because the darkness, cursing the darkness doesn't change anything. Cursing the darkness is like spitting in the wind. It's just going to come back on you. It, it, it doesn't help you at all. But lighting a light is what is, becomes transformational. Lighting a light is what changes the darkness. What did God do with the darkness in Genesis chapter 1? Did he curse it? The Bible says, in darkness hovered over the face of the deep. What did he do? Let there be light. 
See, we're, fa- we're, we're, we're created as a creation in the image and the likeness of God. You and I, the creation, are, are created in the likeness of, of Jesus, in the likeness of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God doesn't curse the darkness, neither do we. We simply light a light. We simply shine the light. We simply, and Jesus says, you shine the light by your good deeds. You don't shine your light by telling people how bad they are. You don't shine your light by telling people how good you are. You ever been around somebody who just thinks they're all that in a bag of chips and a little Debbie cake? Have you ever been around that before? Mm. You ever around church people like that? Oh, my goodness. Church people like that get on my nerves. <coughs> Seriously. They think they, like, walk on water. Like, they do no wrong. Like, oh, like the angels just sing when they get up in the morning. Can I just tell you, everybody, we should all have T-shirts made that says, I'm jacked up. Because we're all messed up. You're messed up, I'm messed up. And if you sit there and go, not me, you're really jacked up because you're living in self-denial. And we all know who you are. You know, the reality is, is all of us are broken. All of us. The Bible says that there are none righteous, no, not one. It's by the grace of God that you and I have been saved. Saved from what? From our sins, from our depravity, from our jacked upness. And I just created a word there, put it in the dictionary. We've been saved from that by grace, so we've been saved, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any of us would become boastful about it. See, the world in which we live in is dark, and, 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 and they don't need to know that they're dark. They don't need to know that they're jacked up. Listen, people that are living in sin don't need to know that they're living in sin. They already know it. They don't need you to tell them. Thank you, Captain Obvious. They don't need it. What they need for you to do is show them where's the hope, where's the light, where's the transformation. And that's why Jesus stands up and says, look, don't curse the darkness, just be a light. Just shine your light, and it will transform the world. Because he understood what Paul was going to write to the church in Rome. Because the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That transformational, incarnational, transcendent power and presence of Jesus lives in you. So wherever you go, to your office, to your school to pick up the kids after school, to the grocery store, to the mall. Yeah, God, well, God's with you at the mall. Hallelujah. Ladies, that was a good opportunity. God's with you at the mall. Okay, a couple of people. All right. <clears throat> He's with you everywhere. And he tells you, don't hide the light. Nobody hides the light and puts it under a basket. You don't just go, well, you don't get to turn the light on on Sunday morning and then turn it off on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. He's going to get his preach on. I'm just saying, you light your light. You light and you let your good deeds be shown because it brings glory to God. So how do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. There's just a couple. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. I just want to show you in Scripture an illustration. Acts. The name Acts is short for actions. It was the actions of the New Testament church. It was the actions of the disciples. It's, it's, it, it, it's how this is fleshed out. And we see Paul and Silas who are simply trying to live their life and shine their light. We see them in a very precarious situation. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, and the Bible reads, And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten And they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they did not escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. 
Let me give you a little bit of background before we go into verse 26. What had happened was, see, what had happened was, what had happened was Paul and Silas were simply going to do what Jesus had asked them to do, which would be to share the good news, to light their world. And they did this by preaching the gospel. That's what they were called to do. Everybody's called to do different things. This is what they were called to do. And in the moment of doing this, there was a, a lady who was heckling them. Not because she was really in her right mind, not because she was really crazy, but because she was possessed by a demon, the Bible says. So when they're trying to preach the good news, she's heckling them in the crowd. Paul gets pretty, pretty ticked off, really, to be honest with you. And if you read any, any of, of the life of Paul, it doesn't take a whole lot to tick Paul off. I mean, Paul was just, boom, he was gone. And so it ticks him off to the point that he just does one of those demons be gone moment, and the demon leaves her, and she's now in her right mind. And then Paul just keeps on going, not thinking anything about it. I just got, I just, I, fit, I fixed the problem. I'm going to go do what I've called to do. The problem, though, was this girl was owned. She was a slave. She was owned, and her owner was making money on her, kind of like a freak show. She was a, a psychic. She was <clears throat> possessed. And she was doing all this stuff, and so he was making money off her. Well, when the demons left her, so did the psychic power leave her. And in that moment, what happens is his money, his, his way to make money off her was gone. And so he begins to outcry to the other people. He begins to outcry to the city officials. And we pick it up in verse 22. The mob begins to form, and then they begin to go to the city officials. There's political pressure that's put upon City Hall. City Hall has to do something. And so, in retribution and retaliation, City Hall says, we will have them beaten and thrown into prison. Yay! Okay. And so, that's what, so the mob is happy, and they're thrown into prison. I want you to understand, they got there not because they did something wrong, but because they were doing what they were called to do by shining their light. Because sometimes shining your light doesn't always put you in the best light. Make sense? Sometimes shining the light and the love of Jesus Christ isn't always the easiest thing. It isn't always, it isn't always roses. And they're there. But look what happens in verse 26. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all, not one, all. Everybody say all. Okay, I'm going to get to that in a minute. It's real important. Prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas. The whole prison. Verse 27, the jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself. We are all. Everybody say all. All here. Now, this is important to understand. Have you ever been to a prison before? you ever visited somebody in jail before? you ever been around people in prison before? Did a prison ministry? There's a lot of people in prison that here's what they'll say. Hey, man. I'm innocent. I've been wrong. I've been done wrong. I'm wrongly convicted. I didn't steal that. I didn't do that. I didn't kill that person. There's more innocent people in jail than anywhere else. There's more innocent people in jail than outside of jail. It, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, yeah. All right. Follow me for a minute. If any, in any medium maximum security prison in America... If all of a sudden the gates opened up, the doors opened up, what are people going to do? Run. It's called freedom. Right? If you were in jail for life and the doors came open, what would you do? Run. You got a better chance out there than you do in here because you're going to die out here anyhow. Run. What happens to me that's amazing is that when this move of God happens, the doors all open up. 
But yet, when everything's done, all the prisoners stay in their cells. Amazing. A God thing. We know this is more than just a a, a seismic activity, an earthquake. We, We understand that there's a hand of God that's at work in this thing. And here's what I want you to, first of all, catch right here, is that we are to let our light shine. We are to let our light shine. So when we talk about how to let your light shine, first of all, you let your light shine. You choose that you're going to go public with shining your light. You choose you're going to go public. And sometimes going public can get you into trouble. Sometimes going public can put you in, 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 in bad light with other people. And in Paul and Silas's case, it found them in prison. But God didn't forget about them. And God begins to show up. And God begins to move. And what God does begins to become supernatural in such a way that it doesn't just affect Paul and Silas, but it affects everybody in the prison. It doesn't just affect those that were innocent. It also affects those that are guilty. And what happens is God begins to put his super onto their natural. And that's what happens in our own life is when we step out and do what God's called us to do, when we step out and we show the light and the love of Jesus Christ, then God will show up. We want God to show up, then we're willing to step out. It's not the way God works. We step out. We go public with our faith. We invite someone to come to a Christmas Eve service. We do an act of kindness in the name of Jesus. We show the love of Jesus Christ. We witness or tell what Jesus has done for us to someone else. When we step out, then God begins to show up. And it's not always roses. It's not always awesome. It'll eventually get there, but at the beginning, sometimes it may, you may have to go through the prison in order to see God actually do what he wants to do. But God is orchestrating everything through there. So that's exactly what Paul and Silas do. The, the prison doors come open, and, and he yells out, don't kill yourself. Why would the jailer kill himself? Because the next morning, the, the authorities would kill him because he had let Paul and Silas and the other prisoners go. And so Paul says, don't. Let's read on in verse 29. And the jailer then called for the lights, and he rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So the second thing I want you to understand is that shining your light will change lives. That when you shine your light, not curse the darkness, Not talk about how bad somebody is or how great you are, but when you simply just let the light and the love of Jesus Christ shine and radiate out from you, when you don't hide your light, but you shine your light, then what happens is it will begin to change people that are around you. God has placed you on your city block, in the the classroom, at, 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 at the office, at your place of employment. He's placed you around people that he wants you and your family to shine your light, not curse the darkness, not talk about how bad they are, how good you are. Just simply shine your light. And when you begin to shine your light, lives will begin to change. It's exactly what happens. Paul and Silas are just doing what God's called them to do. They're just shining their light. God puts them in this situation that looks to be unfortunate, but then God turns around and takes what the enemy tries to use to destroy them and turns it for their good. God does that all the time. And they began to shine their light, and it changes lives. And I know some of you kind of go, well, you just don't understand, man. 
You don't know how hard people are that, that I work with. You don't know how hard the school is that I attend. You don't know how hard my family is. People think I'm crazy. I'm some, some nut, and I, I, I mean that I'm out here, and I'm some Jesus freak, and they, they're not listening to me. They're not doing anything, and, man, all, all I've done is love them. Here's what I'll tell you. John chapter 6, verse 44 says, Unless the Spirit of God draws someone, nobody comes to repentance. Unless the Spirit of God drew you, you don't come to repentance. Unless he drew me, I don't come to repentance. But when the Spirit of God begins to draw, when he begins to work on someone, when he begins to open their hearts, then what happens? They will come to a place of repentance. And here's how God chooses to work. He chooses to call you and I to shine our light. And when we shine our light, what begins to happen is we give God room to work. And then God begins to have an opportunity to begin to draw them. The Bible says some people plant, some people water, some people weed, and some people harvest. But we all have a part in this process to see people coming into faith in Jesus Christ. There's a guy, his name is Engel, and um, in theology circles, it's called Engel Scale. And it's a, it's a scale of what they call a scale of conversion. So if, you, if zero is the point of conversion, then plus one, plus two, plus five, plus, all the way to plus ten, you become a, a disciple of Jesus. You, you, you get saved at zero, but plus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, you're growing in your faith. Negative one, negative two, negative five, all the way to negative ten, you are not a Christ follower. You, you're, you're dead in your sins. Negative 10, you're like an atheist. Negative 5, you, 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 know, you may believe in God, but you don't really need him. And what happens many times is because we don't see someone get saved, all of a sudden hit zero, go from negative 10 to zero, uh, on our first in, encounter with them, our first couple of conversations, we just kind of throw up our hands and just go, what's the use? What's the use is they just went from a negative 10 to a negative 9. God begins to work. He begins to break it down. He's processive. Understand this. God always works in steps. He doesn't work in leaps. God's processive, and he works through relationships, and he works through people. And this is the reason why Jesus tells us that we're the light of the world, because God wants to work through you and through me. And he's placed you in your home. He's placed you with your spouse. He's placed you with your parents, with your siblings, with your extended family, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your friends, with the people that you know, because he wants you to light your world. And simply all you've got to do is not curse the darkness, not talk about how bad they are or how righteous you are. Just simply show the love of Jesus Christ and allow God to have an opportunity to work. And what God begins to do, negative eight, negative seven, negative five, all of a sudden they become closer and closer to Jesus until some point, they say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. That could take months. It could take weeks. It could take years. It could take your lifetime. You may be in the grave before that person comes to faith in Christ. I don't know. What I do know is that when we light our world, it changes lives. And that's what we're called to do. Give God an opportunity to work. Give God something to work with. Light our world. As I'm preaching today, I'm reminded of my father, who's never preached the message. My dad's a, a blue-collar, retired uh, United Auto worker, arbitrator for the union, big factory guy. We have great conversations. And, uh, and so uh, in, in heated political debates on what's going on in this country and what's happening. And, and, uh, and 
my dad got up every day of his life and busted his rear end to provide for his family. My dad's one of my heroes. I mean, he just is. My dad has got, he just, he just, it's what you got, it's what you called to do. It's what you got. You got mouths to feed, you got people to take care of. You, you, you do what you have to do. And uh, I like to joke, my dad could make a living mowing a lawn on a rock. I mean, he just figures it out. And uh, he heard a pastor say one time that if you would believe for the salvation of your family, write their names down, keep it someplace where you see it, they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he believed for the salvation of his father and of his older brother, both who have gone on to be with the Lord. And I'll never forget sitting at the graveside in northeast Arkansas, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. And my dad said, Aaron, come here, I want to show you something. You've got to realize my dad is not very emotional, except for when he gets mad. He's not a real emotional guy. And he opens up his billfold, and he pulls out just a slip of paper. And I knew it had been there a long time. He said, I want you to see this. And it was the name of my grandfather. It's the name of my, of my uncle. For 25 years, this has been in my billfold. And for 25 years, I've prayed. And before they went on and they died, they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And I just want to remind you that prayer works. And that God hears and that God answers. And that they're with Jesus. And I just want to remind you that when you shine your light, when you do what you can do, not be perfect, not curse the darkness, not talk about their, their depravity or your perfection, God begins to work in that. I'm telling you, my grandfather and my uncle were not easy men. But God showed up. And God did what only he could do. Here's the last thing I want to leave with you when you shine your light. There's a multiplication process. There's a, a multiplication process. It doesn't just affect one life, but it affects many lives. It doesn't just change one, but it changes many. Look at verse 32. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. This is Paul and Silas speaking to the jailer. And all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before him, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. It doesn't just end with one person. There's a domino effect. There's a ripple effect. This person affects this person, affects this person, affects this person. You don't know where your act in the action of kindness, where your shining of your light, where the giving of hope that's inside of you, when you begin to shine your light and live, light and live life that way, you don't know who you're going to affect and who that person's going to affect and that person's going to affect and that person's going to affect. You have no idea. None. And you may not really completely understand that till you get, on, till you get to heaven. Paul says this side of eternity, we see in part, we understand in part, we know in part. It's like we don't have the whole story. But when we get to the other side, when we get to heaven, it'll all come together. And Paul and Silas don't just affect the jailer, but his entire family. And you may be focused on seeing one person come to faith in Jesus. 
You may be praying for one person, but you have no idea who all that affects. What all happens with that? How many other people get saved, lives get changed, and what the ripple effect of that is? We don't just see people come to faith in Christ. We see people become fully devoted followers of Christ. They don't just end at zero. They eight plus one and plus two and plus five and plus seven and plus ten. They continue to grow. It's a process. Can I tell you as a pastor, I, I don't expect people to walk in the door their very first week to church and give their life to Christ. If they do, that's awesome. Do I pray for people to come to faith in Christ? Yes. Do we see people every weekend come to faith in Christ? Most weekends we do, Yes. But the reality is, I just want people to come back. I just want people to come in here and go, there's something that's beyond just that person or that song. It's Jesus. I just want them to sense the presence of Jesus. I've never felt peace like that before. I've never felt there's something. I just want to come back. And they come back. And they come back, and they come back, and before you know it, they come to faith in Christ. As I was doing this message this week, and I was working on it, I I was just thinking in my mind, what's some great illustration? What's some great story? I can just, it's like a package, I can just tie a bow on it and just kind of like, you know, just wow. And everybody's like, oh. So I got it. I don't have one. Can I be honest with you? I have thought. I have researched. I have read. I have looked. I have, I don't have one. And as a pastor, as a preacher, on Saturday, I mean, I plan my messages out, right? So this is, I've had this outline and, and for a couple weeks, and, and I've been working on this. And so this is not just something, I don't, I don't do Saturday night specials. One, because I preach on Saturday night, because that won't work, right? Uh, preacher talk is Saturday night specials or pastors that don't, don't work on the message all week and on Saturday night they throw something together and put, get up there on Sunday morning. Kind of warmed up leftovers. And, uh, and I was yesterday and I was just like, Lord, yesterday morning, I, I, I don't have some killer illustration. Like I don't have, I need to land the plane. And I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and just said, you know what? The illustration today is not about you or some great inspirational story. It's about simply this. In 10 days from now, we have the greatest opportunity, Christmas, to shine our light that we'll have all year long. The most opportunity to see things happen that we'll ever see things happen. Because more people will come to church in this neck of the woods on Christmas Eve than they will Easter or any other time of the year. 3,200 people came last Christmas Eve weekend. And so we're going to, we've got an opportunity. More people are open. And so I simply want to end this, because this is the way I feel like I'm supposed to end this message today, is encouraging you over the next 10 days to shine your light, to be intentional about shining your light. And, 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 and what I mean by that is, is, you know, we give you these little invite cards, and there's invite cards for Christmas Eve and everything. And, and I don't give you the invite cards so that you come back next week because I know you know to come back next week, right? It's not a reminder. It's for you to be able to take it and to give it, leave it somewhere, invite someone, do a good deed or an action and invite them to come to a Christmas Eve service. 
Maybe it's simply doing a, a, a good deed and, and just leaving it to sit because you know better what, where they're at. Maybe they're so far away from the Lord that they're not even open to that. But maybe they're people that you've relationally invested in and, and simply just inviting them. And I understand sometimes you get kind of wigged out because you go, man, I don't know because I go public with my faith and they're going to ask me questions. That's what's so powerful about Jesus Christ being the light of the world and the light of the world living inside of you is you don't have to have the answers to the questions. I don't know. That's the greatest theological response you can give to most theological questions. I boarded a plane in Minneapolis on a 13-hour flight to Bangkok, excuse me, to Tokyo. I get on the plane, and I wore a T-shirt I knew I shouldn't have worn when I put it on, but I just put it on because I was wearing this track suit, and I take off my jacket, and I had this T-shirt. It says Central Bible College, which is where I got my undergraduate from. And immediately this guy goes, Central Bible College. Let's just announce it to the whole plane, bro. Hmm, are you a pastor? Which is another question I don't like to answer because it's loaded. It just is. You either love me or hate me after I answer this. And he said to me, he said, you know, are, are you, you a pastor? I said, yes, sir, I am. He goes, well, I have a question. Oh, here we go. You know, for 13 hours, I'm sitting next to this guy. Give me a stinking break. I just want to just sleep, and right? So immediately, I just felt like this was the voice of the Lord. Because I don't have to have the answers, right? I was traveling with a friend of mine who went to Bible college, I went to Bible college with. I said, sir, let me stop you right here. I said, you know, I went to Central Bible College, I graduated and everything. And I said, you know how when you graduate from college, you know, some people graduate summa cum laude and cum laude? Well, I graduated thank the laude. I was just thankful to get out. I said, but this friend of mine right here, he graduated top of the class. He aced systematic theology one, two, and three. Brad, would you answer this man's question? And then I turned around and put my stuff up in the bin. So you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have the answers. Just shine the light. Just shine the light. Just shine the light. Now, sometimes it can be as simple as just, seriously, sometimes it's as simple as just, you know, giving somebody the sweater at the mall. It's the last sweater. You wanted it. Let them have it. I forget a couple years ago. I was at Mayfair, and it was Christmas time. I had dropped Tammy off. I, was, I found a parking space that was somewhere within the stratosphere of, of Mayfair, and I was getting ready to pull in, and as soon as I did, a car just went boom right in front of me, and I'm livid. I'm going in this way, they're coming this way, so our cars are, and I just about lost it until I realized it was a Life Church member. And I went, hey, go right ahead. But on the inside, I was like, oh, you better be glad you go to Life Church. Sometimes it's just, we have those moments, and especially in these next 10 days, it's a little hectic. But just shine your light. Maybe it's shoveling somebody's drive. Maybe it's helping someone. Maybe it's reaching out to someone. Maybe it's, it's going to someone and inviting them over for dinner. Or maybe even Christmas or Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. It may be an infringement upon you, but you know they're alone. You know that they're by themselves. You know that they're dealing with loss. It may be doing something that they don't even know that it's you, but you just do it in the name of the Lord. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do feel like. Everybody in this room, you have somebody or some situation as I'm talking right now, that you know. Just simply shine the light of Jesus. 
simply shine the light of Jesus and let him do the work. Let him change the lives. And only attorney will reveal what God has in store. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you today. God, I thank you today for your grace and for your mercy this new every single morning. I thank you today, Lord, that you came to this earth and we celebrate that. And that you now, Lord, live in us, that incarnational presence of Jesus. It resides in us and it's transformational, not because of us, but because of you. So I pray, Lord, especially during this time of the year, let us shine your light and your love. It's a simple message. It's something we all know but it's something we need to be reminded of that people are hurting, that people are in need of you. There are people that are battling depression. There are people that are dealing with loss. There are people that are struggling. And this time of the year reminds them of those struggles and those loss probably more than any other time of the year. I just pray, let us be your hands extended. Let us love people. Let us be gracious to people. Let us bless people. Let us just be like you, Jesus. Give us strength to do that. And help us, Lord. God, I pray this Christmas, let the people that need to be here, be here. People that are far away from you, be here. I pray for the north, the south, the east, and the west that you would draw people. Lord, to us, so we can point them to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.